Without further ado, Dr. Alan Fleischer uh, is the professor and chair of the Department of Dermatology at Wake Forest University Health Sciences, director of general dermatology, dermatology clinics, and the co-director of the Center for Dermatology Research. He trained as an undergraduate and medical student at the University of Mar uh, Missouri in Columbia. His residency and chief residency uh, in dermatology were completed at UNC Chapel Hill, whereupon he joined the faculty of the Wake Forest University School of Medicine. He is published five dermatology textbooks, over 280 peer-reviewed articles, and has presented results from his research and medical care throughout the United States and five continents. Since 2000, he's been selected by his peers as one of the best doctors in America. He is also now the medical director of dermatology at MERS. Uh, please welcome Dr. Fleischer. He'll be doing uh, two talks back-to-back -back due to scheduling issues, so he'll be doing urticaria and nail updates. Thanks, thanks, Lauren. Now, um, this is going to be interactive, so I'm going to apologize. I want you to be awake. Um, uh, now, nobody talks about nails, but you know, nails are the window to the soul. Any idea what movie this is from? I'm a big movie, movie buff. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Excellent. Okay, just a little bit of basic anatomy. So we have the nail plate, the hard thing on top, that sits on the nail bed. Uh, so we've got the proximal nail fold, we've got the nail matrix, which is the factory that makes the nail. It's actually a long way to bone. People think bone's right underneath. It's pretty good distance. Uh, we've got the nail folds, you know. Uh, we can use terms like eponychium, hyponychium. Nobody understands those. Actually, you know, when you think about nails, there's a whole new terminology. Um, uh, you don't have to use such terms. I mean, how many people regularly in their, uh, in their medical notes use terms like anacoxis? Use that? I do. So anacoxis is thickening of the nail. Anacomedesis, shedding of the nail. Most terms are worthless, you know. If you just describe what you see, it's good enough. Good, bad, ugly. Okay. So, we've got um, a guy with a lot of redness, um, uh, you know, crusting, pain. Um, what is this? What is this? Paranychia. Paranychia. Sure, sure. What's this? Same thing? Yeah? You buy that? This is when you get that granulomatous thing. Well, we do, by definition, have paranychia. Paranychia is inflammation of the nail fold, but we call this onychocryptosis. You need a little more information. This is an ingrown nail. Now, an ingrown nail causes paranychia. Yes. So those of you who said paranychia, you are correct but it's due to an ingrown nail. How many of you um, know how to do the surgical procedures for opening up you know, this area and freeing the nail? How many of you actually do that? A few of you, it's not a big deal. You, know? you get trained, you do it. You know? uh, uh, so, um, you know, and this can be very helpful. In minor cases, a little bit, you know, some uh, antibacterial soaks and things can be helpful, antibiotics. In severe cases, you wanna open them up. Okay, now, this person has thickened nails that curve. You can see this, this curving. What is this? I heard onychomycosis, which is absolutely wrong. 
Onychogryphosis, excellent, excellent. Onychogryphosis. Have any of you, um, have all of you heard of onychogryphosis? Yes, no? No, so there's some no's. Um, this is worth having on your differential diagnosis. This is so-called ram, uh, ram's horn nail, um, and you can treat them with seven years of oral lamisil, and they won't get better. Why? Because they don't have a nail infection. This is, who knows what? It's idiopathic. It just thickens up. And imagine getting these things into shoes. This is almost always in elderly people. I've got really good grip strength, and I can get you know major nail clippers around anything, or my Dremel motor tool, but a lot of these people can't clip their nails. So more nicogryphosis, and a buddy of mine sent this uh, from up in Wisconsin, uh, the most amazing case I've ever seen. So this is ram's horn nail, um, and now, you know, typically your friendly neighborhood podiatrist is your friend. For those of you who don't use podiatrists, think about them, because, you know, you can, you can turf off someone with nasty, smelly feet to someone who wants to see these people and is nice to them and will trim their nails every month and make them feel like a human being. Um, and that's a good thing. Just one other thing worth considering. Now, when I trained in neurometallurgy, we trained to do uh, nail avulsions, and we did a lot of them because, quite honestly, we had terrible drugs for nicomycosis, you know, so a lot of times we just had to remove the nail and hope and pray that it came back without a nicomycosis, uh, and that wasn't 100%. Um, but, you know, I stopped doing that because it's incredibly painful. Any of you here do nail avulsions? Yeah, some of you do it. It's really painful post-op. And quite honestly, you know, I now send them to podiatrists because, you know, again, they like to see these people and, you know, they don't mind causing pain. So that's fine. More nail art. Okay. This is a situation where we've got separation of the nail plate from the nail bed. This is... I can't hear you. Okay, I heard it. Onycholysis. Now, the most common scenario where I see someone sent in with onycholysis is uh, that uh, they are convinced they have a fungus infection, and they don't. Uh, and not infrequently, I've seen these folks on long-term systemic antifungal agents, and they don't respond, and they, they're shocked why they don't respond, or they're, you know, persons that sent them in are shocked why they don't respond, because they don't have a fungus infection. It's a nicholysis. Now, the long and the short of it is, if it occurs in one or a couple of nails, it's idiopathic. It occurs most commonly in people with wet, that do wet work. You know, it's an interesting thing. Or trauma can do this. Um, but by contrast, if it happens in lots of nails at once, it makes you think about systemic diseases. And there are lots of systemic diseases associated, rheumatoid arthritis and cancers, all kinds of stuff. If someone comes in with multiple nails, sudden onset of a nicolysis, I think about evaluating them. Now, just for curiosity's sake, what do you do with these folks? Nobody knows. I mean, we have no agents that reattach the nail plate to the nail bed. Um, so, you know, you want to keep it clean. You want to keep it dry. Um, you know, I was trained to use um, thymol in chloroform. Now, th there's no evidence that suggests that does anything, and no pharmacist anymore will mix up things with chloroform because it's carcinogenic, and they don't want it hanging around the pharmacy. I mean, why would they want a carcinogenic agent in their pharmacy? So, um, uh, you know, 
uh, everybody does something different. Um, just to keep it clean, um, you do whatever you want. My favorite recommendation is the original Listerine uh, because it contains a little bit of thymol, which is a drying agent. There are some antibacterial agents in there. It's unbelievably cheap uh, and is probably as good as anything. Uh, it's got a little bit of alcohol for its drying effect, but you do whatever you want. I mean, I don't have any evidence that anything works. Okay, now what we have here is um, inflammation of the nail fold here with, it looks like there's some pus underneath there. What do we call this? Okay, someone said it's, it's perinicia. Now this is true perinicia without the anicocryptosis, without the uh, ingrown nail. Um, and you know, this is most commonly due to trauma when it's acute. When it's chronic, it's inflammatory, not infectious. When it's acute, it's almost always bacterial. You know, we think of staph and only a little bit of strep. Um, so you get that pus, it's bacterial. So in North Carolina, I like the term from the mountains, they call this runaround. I just love that. So, um, and, and the term comes from the fact it starts on one side of the nail and runs around the other. It's just a wonderful country term. The other country term in North Carolina that I love better than just about anything else is the inflammatory joint disease. They call it gouch, um, gouch. Uh, it's not gout, but you know, I think gouch is so much better than gout. Um, similarly, you know, we have chicken pops, P-O-P-S, it pops out. Well, anyway, so run around. Um, Okay, so in, in acute disease, it's, in, it's uh, clearly infectious. You want to think about systemic antibiotics, little local antibiotics, some soaks. When it's chronic, think about topical steroids. You know, this we find in people who do wet work, people who are nail enthusiasts and like to destroy their cuticles and get, get themselves chronically inflamed. It's, it's uh, inflammatory then. More nail art. Okay. So we've got a destroyed, mostly destroyed nail matrix or nail plate here, crumbling. Any idea what this is? Come on, come on. Be brave. This is not a test. Okay, well, I heard something out there. One of the same. Yeah, onychomycosis. Um, uh, any better name on onychomycosis is not a very good one for this. Wh what is this? Hmm. More of the same. This is tinea unguum, which is one component of onychomycosis. Now, just to be specific, okay, so I'm a linguistic purist. Onychomycosis includes infections with dermatophytes, uh, that is things like tinea unguum. Uh, uh, but it also includes yeasts, which I think I've seen twice in my career. It includes things like saprophytes, which if you go into your kitchen and you know, culture the walls of your kitchen, you'll find saprophytes growing on the walls of your kitchen and those can grow in our nails too. Um, uh, but you know, specifically, we see tinea unguum. One of my greatest accomplishments in my life is having used the word unguum in a Scrabble game. I got rid of three U's in one word. It was just spectacular. So we all know about, um, about onychomycosis in general, tinea unguum in specific, and you know, and these days it's just not that difficult to treat. 
Um, uh, you guys are all experts in that. Now, this is a situation where on all the nails, we have a band that goes across all the nails. Flat nail plate, absolutely flat, but a band that grows across all the nails. Any idea? Okay, so it's all right to be more silent on this one. These are Murky's lines, okay? Now, when you've got a band that grows across all of the nails like that, you know it's a systemic thing. You know it. I mean, it's coming from the inside. And this is almost always the result of some major uh, uh, metabolic hit, um, you know, uh, chemo. Uh, you know, something that really hit them metabolically. So you're not going to say, aha, I'm going to diagnose you with you with cancer because I'm seeing your nails. No, it's not going to work that way. You'll see them for something totally different. And oh, by the way, what about my nails? The nails are always the, oh, by the way. So it's called Merkey's lines. Now, this is a guy I saw for something totally different. But I was so fascinated by his nails, I had to take this picture. So, what is this? Clubbing, clubbing, absolutely. So clubbing, uh, also called Hippocratic nails, has essentially disappeared uh, in the Western world. And the reason is that about 60 years ago, the heart-lung machine was invented. Uh, and, you know, it used to be, if we go back 100 years, you know, um, kiddos were born with these, you know, either atrial defects or ventricular defects. And if they weren't too bad, they made it 10 or 20 or 25 years before they died. Uh, and, you know, they died at 10 or 20 or 25, but they had incredible um, clubbing nails. Today, we see only clubbing for two major reasons. One is a hereditary phenomenon. This guy, all of his family members had it. He just thought it was normal. Um, or number two, uh, uh, it, can be, um, it can be acquired as a result of you know, major pulmonary kinds of things uh, uh, or cancer kinds of things, but that's actually pretty uncommon. It's almost exclusively now hereditary. But in the old days, it used to be a sign of really bad you know, congenital heart or lung disease. More of the same. These are not subtle. And so it's also called nail clubbing. We look at the anicophalangeal angle or Lavaban's angle. And if you can stare at your own nails to see what the anicophalangeal angle is and stare at enough normal people's nails, uh, you'll sort of get a clue. More nail art. Okay. What's this? I'm sorry, what? N there's nothing normal about this. And just here's, here's this subtle clue. Here's an oxygen sensor. That's subtle. What's that? Emboli is correct. This is an embolic phenomenon. Okay, so this is a sick puppy. Now, we were not called to evaluate the nails. Um, so this is septic emboli, and septic emboli occur under the nails as well as distally. So um, uh, that's septic emboli. In this patient, the patient died from staph. Uh, so, you know, currently, and I know this is a shocker out there, but twice as many people in the United States die from staph staphylococcus as die from HIV AIDS. 
Okay, I'm not trying to minimize HIV AIDS, but staff is a big deal. And if you told me that staff was a big deal when I was in medical school, I'd say, you guys are nuts. Staff, you just you put them on penicillin, it goes away, it's no big deal. Well, things have changed. More nail art. Okay, what do we have here? Splinter hemorrhage. What causes splinter hemorrhage? Someone said it right. Someone, now, this is a smart group because someone said trauma. Now, um, the point I want to make is that when people are asked board exam questions, the correct answer is always subacute bacterial endocarditis. And the reason that that's the correct answer on board examinations is that the people who write those questions have never looked at people's nails. They don't pay any attention to people's nails. Because if you look at a carpenter's nail, if you look at a plumber's nail, not people like you, people who work for a living, <laughs> well, the fact is they always have splinter hemorrhages. By contrast, you know, I don't have any splinter hemorrhages. I consider that self to be a phenomenal uh, gift that I don't have splinter hemorrhages because I don't really work for a living. I just have fun inside all day. So more splinter hemorrhages. Okay, I'm not saying it couldn't be due to, you know, uh, bacterial endocarditis or, you know, of course it's been reported to various kinds of systemic infections. You can get it from trichinosis. Yeah, the differential diagnosis is so broad, but it's almost always due to trauma. More traumatic uh, splinters. And what you need to remember is that the, uh, on the nail plate, there, uh, you know, the, the nail plate is attached to the nail bed, not in flat form, but it's a wavier, undulated um, texture. And so this makes perfect sense that you have, you know, a, a hemorrhage following the line of the attachment. So it makes, it's just terrific physiologic sense. So these are splinter hemorrhages. They're traumatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, when you answer a test question, it's subacute bacterial endocarditis. I know, I know, I know. Okay, all right. Now, on multiple nails, what we have are thinning of the nail plate in multiple hits like that. Um, and it's on multiple nails. Any idea what these are? Someone said psoriasis. Psoriasis, I'll say, never does this. I'm sorry? Uh, well, weird picking could do it to one nail but usually not to multiple. This is the same phenomenon where across all of the nails, we have this, you know, this thinning band. Same thing. These are called Bose lines. They're called Bose lines. Now let me actually go back here. Um, this is a good example. Now, uh, there's a famous guy named William Bean. William Bean is my hero and the poster child for obsessive compulsive anal retentive personality disorder. So uh, William Bean was the uh, chairman of internal medicine at the University of Iowa, but uh, his greatest accomplishment, aside from describing Bean syndrome amongst other things, uh, uh, is um, he, uh, his career in my mind culminated with his publication of an article 35 years of a nail watcher. Okay, so William Bean, this internist, 
for 35 years measured the growth of his left thumbnail every week. Here's what he did. He took a very sharp blade, and right where the cuticle and the nail plate joined, he made a little slash, and then with a micrometer, he measured the distance from the previous week's slash to the next week's slash, 35 years every week. Now, isn't that obsessive-compulsive? I mean, and we know more about William Bean's left thumbnail than any other nail in the universe. And now, rough and ready, you don't need to know this exactly, but rough and ready terms, our fingernails grow about one millimeter per week. Toenails grow about half that, half millimeter per week. It's not quite right, and it slows down with age. There, you know, read William Bean's article, it's fascinating. Uh, but um, the long and the short of it is, the reason I'm saying this is that what you can do is say, all right, the nail matrix starts about here, and then you can do a millimeter rule to here, and you can, you can ask them the question, well, it was about 12 or 13, 14 weeks ago, something major happened to you. What happened? You know, this happened to be a uh, chemotherapy hit, uh, but you know, you can measure it and then go backwards. Start at the you know, base of the nail matrix, measure to the Bose line, and you will tell what's going on. This was, um, uh, let me go, sorry. Uh, whoops, I am frozen, AV folks, I'm sorry about this. Um, there, yeah, I don't know what I did. Thank you. In this person, there were multiple chemo episodes you know, people get rep repetitive bouts of chemo. You can tell how far, far apart they are. So this is a major metabolic hit. Now, just like with hair loss, you know, people come in with hair loss. They say, you know, I've, uh, I've had stress in my life. You raise your hand in this audience if you have not had stress in your life. I mean, I don't know what life without stress is. So I'm not talking about stress because everybody has stress. My crazy teenage kids drive me crazy. But... Um, I'm talking about major metabolic hit, like you spend a week in the ICU. That's a major metabolic hit. Or, now it's not I broke up with my boyfriend, that is not a major stress. I broke up with my boyfriend and I stopped eating for a couple of weeks. Yeah, starvation is a major metabolic hit. All kinds of major metabolic hits can do this. Those are Bose lines and they're just for curiosity's sake. Okay. So, um, uh, on this one nail, we have this smooth, bumpy growth, been there for years. Um, uh, what is this? Pardon me? Uh, well, someone said digital fibrokeratoma. Um, no, I, I kind of like that answer. It's not quite right. Um, fibrokeratomas typically occur on the lateral aspects of the fingers. It can occur on any aspect, but not usually here. Any idea? What if I told you when I see these, and I've done this multiple times in my career, the first thing I want to do is strip someone naked and look at all of their skin? Excellent, excellent answer from the back. I like that, I like that. And I have made the diagnosis of tuberous sclerosis in people just on the basis of something like this. This is a carnin tumor, or also called a nail fibroma. And I know it sounds kinky and weird to strip someone naked, but it's worthwhile 
Because if you don't do it, you're not going to do the patient a service. Having multiple times in my career made the diagnosis of uh, 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 tuberous sclerosis, and it's important for genetic counseling, of neurofibromatosis type one uh, or multiple other types, you know, it's worthwhile to take a look because you never know. And I admire one of our, uh, one of our orthopedists sent a patient to me uh, with one of these to say, would you please examine this person's skin? Uh, he was going to plan on excision of it, uh, but because uh, uh, I want to make sure that uh, uh, the patient did not have tuberous sclerosis. Now, why did the orthopedic surgeon pay any attention to nail folds? Um, it turns out, that, typically, I mean, this is pretty impressive for an orthopedic surgeon because they normally pay no attention, but it turns out his daughter has tuberous sclerosis. So he's a little sensitized to the issue. He doesn't feel uh, capable of making the diagnosis, but he, you know, he knows the signs. Anyway, so more nail art. Okay, so what's going on here? Funky nail color, both, na both sides, yellow nail syndrome. Correct. It's hard to put something on your differential diagnosis if you don't know that it exists. Yellow nail syndrome exists. What an appropriate name for this. So, so just for curiosity's sake, something for us to think about. The most toxic thing we come in contact with in our environment every day that is destroying us every day is oxygen. Oxygen is deadly for us. Um, oxygen is constantly not only destroying the metal of your car and you know, the metal of the nails of your fence, but is destroying us. Now it turns out we've uh, you know, got some pretty good adaptive strategies for dealing with oxygen and how destructive it is. For instance, with our epidermis, it's, even though it's being killed by oxygen all the time, we shed it constantly so it doesn't stick around long enough. Our nails, we grow them long enough, fast enough, so that by the time they're oxidized, they're gone, and so that it doesn't really matter. Well, it turns out if your nail growth slows quite significantly because you've had a major metabolic hit, then they get oxidized. They basically rust. And so this is essentially what happens when you rust or oxidize the nails. And um, now, one of my favorite stories is years ago, a gal came to see me. All 20 nails of her were yellow. And she, she presented with a story, my pulmonologist says this is not yellow nail syndrome. Uh, now, that makes no sense because, I mean, her nails had stopped growing. They turned yellow. She's got lung disease. She has the definition of, of yellow nail syndrome. I mean. And this is a situation where you can't even help these people aside from providing them with information. Baby your nails, use moisturizer, you know, try to do as little trauma as possible. But yellow nail syndrome, how many of you have seen yellow nail syndrome? I mean, it's not something you see every day, but it's out there. More yellow nail syndrome, they become brittle. Um, and uh, so, you know, you see this most commonly with people with lung disease, it's been reported with other things. You give people a name, you give them reassurance, they're not crazy, it's normal, have a nice life. Okay, so um, uh, on this nail, we're not talking about this trauma, but you know how your half moon or lunula sticks out a little bit? It seems as though whatever that half moon is, which actually is the distalmost aspect of the nail matrix, is, has 
expanded. It's not really that, but we have this sort of this bizarre look to most of the nail plate. Um, you know, uh, it's not nail matrix, but it's something like that. Any idea? We're back to trivia. Any ideas? Okay. Okay. Is it one of those metabolic things? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's all you need to know. So more of the same. Again, when you just look at normal people's nails, they don't look like this. Um, more of the same. And we call that Terry's nails. And this is almost exclusively found in people with severe liver disease. Now, in ancient days, there was no such thing as ordering a test called bilirubin or AST, ALT, AP, all that crap. You know, you did it on the basis of physical diagnosis. Today, someone presents to you and they say, oh, by the way, I have severe hepatitis C, I'm undergoing this kind of stuff, and they've come in for their itching or what, something totally different. If you just look at the nails, you find this. So, you know, I encourage you to look at nails. It only takes about three seconds. Terry's nails. It's metabolic. Okay. Now, what we have here is on um, all the nails, we've got... Um, these white bands that go across the nails. White bands. I don't know if you guys can see these white bands. What category is it? Hmm, deathly silence. These are called Mies lines or Reynolds Mies lines. And they're seen most commonly in arsenic poisoning. And, oh, by the way, this is a guy, very nice guy, um, was a minister. And um, he was married to this lovely lady that served him arsenic in his banana pudding. And, um, uh, uh, and she had done in multiple uh, prior spouses and beaux in the past, and uh, this guy was just the latest in the series. Um, she was subsequently caught and prosecuted for this, but um, uh, this is deposition of arsenic into the nails. Now, it was not the nails on which we made the diagnosis. Uh, it was completely separate, but uh, this was, I saw this guy, I think 22 years ago, 23 years ago, something like that. And uh, this, among other things, um, helped cinch the diagnosis. Heavy metal screen was positive. This is not the thing you think about most commonly. You don't see this every day. You know, I appreciate the fact that my spouse does not try to poison me. However, uh, you know, I live in North Carolina where, uh, you know, one of the favorite desserts is banana pudding. And ever since I heard about this, I never liked banana pudding much anyway, but this has completely changed my opinion. And, you know, now creme brulee is a different story, but banana pudding I can skip any day. So these are called mise lines, but it's metabolic. You know, we've got bands across all the nails, and you know that something happened, and you can time it out to where it is. Incidentally, this gal apparently got the arsenic out of ant poison. This is commercially available. Arsenic is still available if you go to your local, you know, uh, hardware store. Uh, so, you know, if you really want to poison your spouse, it's colorless, odorless, tasteless. Okay, now, 
This is a story, and I've seen this now a couple of times in my career, although these are not my photographs. And um, uh, uh, so we have multiple splinter hemorrhages here. Um, uh, and interestingly, um, uh, if you tease out what's underneath the nail, you find this. Any idea microscopically what this is? Hair, excellent. What does this person do for a living? Yeah, just say hair, that works. So it turns out that back to basics, um, you know, I've seen this now. Have, have any of you seen this before where hairdressers, they get the hair underneath their nails? Now, my barber tells me he has to charge me a finder's fee because, you know, I mean, I'm in and out of there very, very quickly, but you know, some people, some people have a much more prolonged experience with the people that do, does their hair. And um, these are hair fragments. And you know, some hairdressers, they do all kinds of goofy stuff. And particularly, it's not so much now, but there were days uh, where there were spiky hairstyles. Uh, you know, when people are doing this with the hair and you get the spikes underneath the surface of the nail, you get this happen. So you know, what can you do? You can wear gloves, you can stop hitting the hair like that. But uh, I've now, am I the only one that's seen this phenomenon? Hair under the nails? Yep, I'm the only one. Okay. All right. So um, we have lots of indentations into the nails. Um, this is just one nail, but what is this? Yeah, this is nail pitting. This is nail pitting. So in fact, this is the extreme of nail pitting. There's a wonderful term, you could just call it nail pitting, but since I like uh, medical terminology, nosology, this is called tracheonychia. Tracheonychia is, is that incredibly rough nail pit. And I heard, the, I heard psoriasis, and most of the time people with this kind of nail have psoriasis. Any idea what else can do, can do this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I heard a lot of good things out there. It can be with alopecia areata, lichen planus, 20 nail dystrophy, whatever the hell that is, probably lichen planus. Um, uh, I don't even know. Um, one of the interesting things about nail pits is an understanding of what's actually going on. It turns out the nail plate is actually thickened in the uh, area of the pit. When the nail plate is in the nail matrix, it's you know, back here, um, it's actually thickened, just like a psoriatic plaque is thickened, but the structure is weaker than the rest of the nail. So when it comes out, it sort of pops off, and instead of it being thickened, it ends up being thinned in that area. So it's just the opposite of what you think. Um, more of the same, and we see this most commonly in the setting of psoriasis. Now, actually, you know, we've done clinical trials of, uh, say, biologic agents where we've assessed their nail uh, psoriasis score. Um, yes, there's, you know, a PASI to assess their body and whatever it's called, the NAPSI to assess the nail. But, you know, you do the oil drop sign, the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the other kinds of dystrophies involved. You know, it's, this is psoriasis. So they're nail pits, um, and we've got defective nail formation as a result. Um, rarely do people present because of this, except in kiddos with 20 nail dystrophy, 
but it's more an issue of, oh, by the way, I've got this psoriasis, and what about these attractive nails? If you know what to do for nail pits, good luck. I mean, uh, you know, yes, systemic treatment work, uh, works, ultraviolet treatment works, but um, does anything you put on the surface work? I don't know. You know, in a few desperate people, I've done intralesional corticosteroid injections uh, around the nail matrix uh, on a monthly basis. You have to be pretty brave to go through that month after month after month. Um, you know, I mean, some people have a pretty high pain tolerance. I do, but is it worth it? And not to me. Okay, more nail art. Now, this is a situation where the nail plate has sort of changed curvy directions. What do we call that? Spooning, spooning. It has a medical name for ultimate trivia. What's that? Excellent. Excellent. More spooning, more spooning. Again, the nail plate is supposed to wrap across and downwards, not up. And we call that coilonychia or spooning. Um, you know, there's all this stuff out there that it can be associated with oil or with, with iron deficiency, anemia, and I'm sure it can, but the majority of time it's idiopathic. Sometimes it's hereditary. It's one of those interesting phenomena. Um, very few people come in for this and only if it's due to iron deficiency anemia and you correct that, does it get better? Of course, why does someone have iron defici deficiency anemia? That always begs the question. Okay, what's going on here? Pseudomonas, pseudomonas. Now here's the situation, you guys are all smart, but you know, not infrequently, I see people come in having been on oral Lamisil for six months and it, their nail fungus hasn't gotten any better. Why? because they don't have nail fungus. They have um, uh, uh, a nicolysis separation of the nail plate from the nail bed, and they've got pseudomonas growing in there. You do whatever you want to treat this. My favorite treatment is vinegar soaks, you know? Uh, uh, I've you know, been exposed to all kinds of things. You can use clindamycin, you can use all kinds of stuff. Um, more of the same. There was a, a patient I saw as an inpatient. Uh, we've got a huge cancer service in our hospital. And this guy had um, Pseudomonas nail pyoderma uh, with all 10 of his fingernails. And you know the oncologist had you know, outlined all this kind of junk they were gonna do. They were gonna put a you know, line into him and put in you know, IV antibiotics for Pseudomonas and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 let's, let's just soak your hands in vinegar every day. Well, the next week, he left the hospital, you know. The next week, I'm walking down the hallway, and the guy says, Doc, Doc, look at my nails! And all 10 of his nails were clear. Because why? He had soaked his nails in vinegar. Now, in my area of the country, people love vinegar. They think vinegar is so healthy that you should drink it straight every day. It's good for your health. I'm not going to drink vinegar, although it's good on salads. Not the kind of vinegar they drink. So, um, uh, uh, but... You know, vinegar has some antibacterial, antifungal, you know, lots of activities. You know, when people don't respond to vinegar soaks, I pull out the big guns, dilute bleach soaks, you know. Uh, uh, I not only use that for atopic dermatitis, but I also use it for this. Not straight bleach. Bleach will, you know, rip the dickens off your skin. But really dilute bleach bath soaks can be really helpful. Or, you know, just a couple of drops of vinegar in a basin of water and soak for a while. When it's on just one nail, you can use a shot glass. When it's on lots of nails in a hand or foot, you can use a basin or a pot. 
I don't know, you know, anything more exotic I'm not up to. So you just want to kill it, and it's always recurrent. If you can't reattach the nail plate to the nail bed and you can't, it, you know, when people know how to manage their, you know, greenish coloration, they're very happy. So it's Pseudomonas nail pyoderma. Um, more of the same. Now, we have on the thumbnail this stripe going down the center. I actually heard the right answer. Any of you else know what this is? Whoops, I couldn't understand that. Excellent, excellent. Bright group early in the morning. More of the same. This is the most extreme example I've ever seen. More of the same. And it's median nail dystrophy, or dystrophia mediana canaliformis. I've heard 15 variations of that name. Uh, uh, and, you know, it occurs out there. I'm pretty convinced it can occur on its own, but most commonly um, it's due to um, habit ticks. There are people that have interesting and fascinating habits, like they pull at their thumbnail every day constantly when they get nervous or just for fun, uh, or they do this kind of tapping business on the table. And some of them say, well, yeah, I know I do it, but uh, I didn't know it was related to this. Well, let's get a clue. It's only on the nail that you, you pick. Um, I, you know, sometimes it can be very difficult to break a habit tick. Um, you know, it's part of obsessive compulsive behavior. Um, and, you know, if this is the worst thing they do, it's not so bad. I try to tell people there are lots of great hobbies, gardening, knitting, crossword puzzles. But manipulating your skin is not one of the better hobbies out there. Picking, tapping, you know, habit ticks. But how much that gets across, I don't know. There's no treatment. Um, okay, so we've got these white spots. They don't go across the whole nail. What are these? Mm, have in, everybody needs to look at their own nails, and you tell me, someone in this room has these spots. I bet it's multiple people. Who has these spots? Okay, so is this a serious metabolic hit, and you're about to die of arsenic poisoning? <laughs> no, no. So what, what causes this? Trauma, trauma. Now, a point I made earlier is that in addition to PubMed searches, uh, doing Google searches is very helpful. If you look this up on Google, universally out there in the lay world, this, these are calcium deposits. These don't have diddly squat association with calcium. Um, so uh, these little white spots, we call leukonychia. Uh, leuko means white, onychia means nail. Leukonychia, what do you know? White nails. Uh, we could call it punctate leukonychia, which would be you know, very descriptive, striate leukonychia, if it was more of a stripe-like, and it's due to trauma. It has nothing to do with your calcium phosphorus metabolism, but don't, don't believe what you read on Google. Okay, more nail art. Now, um, in uh, all of the nails, we've got this funky color, plus there's a little bit of that color here too. It's kind of a bluish-gray color. Minocycline, minocycline. This, you know, 
Um, Minocycline is a very good acne drug. There's no question about it. On the other hand, I have pigmented people's skin. I've pigmented a teenager's teeth. Yes, it's great to have gray teeth. Uh, I have uh, uh, a patient I've seen. She has a torus palatinus, the thing up at the top of her mouth that's pigmented black due to minocycline. Minocycline has issues. Every drug has a little bit of toxicity. Um, and minocycline can deposit itself in skin and can do other things that are associated with pigmentation. So, um, you know, minocycline can do this. It's just worth recognizing. Most of the time, minocycline pigmentation is reversible if you stop it early enough. Okay. Now, we've got irregular margination to the edges of the distal edges of these nails. This is... Hell? Nail biting, nail biting, absolutely. So when I was a kiddo, I, I bit my nails. I'm probably not unique in this room. But um, I actually, um, at one point, was uh, flexible enough that I could bite my toenails. Uh, uh, but you know, if you put a gun to my head today, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, but uh, then I got perinicia. I didn't know that term at the time, and that stopped me from biting my nails. So um, nail biting, uh, uh, you know, it's a universal trait out there many times in people's lives. Uh, nicophagia, anico means nail, phagia, to eat. Um, and, you know, it can be done for fun or, you know, a stress uh, coping strategy. I think of all the things to do in your life, picking, manipulating your skin, not one of the better ones. Well, we have here a nail that um, has th these sort of lamellar separations, uh, like onion skinning distally. It's uh, very, uh, uh, not very robust. You know, normally nails are the kinds of things we use as our screwdrivers, we pick up, but these nails don't do that. What is this? Hmm. More of the same, most commonly in elderly individuals. Well, it's called distal lamellar splitting or brittle nails. I use the term brittle nails because it's so descriptive. Um, and with old folks, it becomes really common. Now, in dermatology, we learn from the veterinary medicine. And for many years, you know, our nails don't count for anything. But in uh, large animal veterinary medicine, it turns out that when a horse's hooves, which are our nails, go bad, they shoot the horse. And if a horse is worth 10,000 bucks, 100,000 bucks, it's a big deal. Your nails aren't worth 100,000 bucks. That horse is worth 100,000 bucks. So very high doses of biotin has been found to improve horse's hooves. Well, it turns out that one and only one dose has ever been studied uh, uh, in, with brittle nails, which is uh, biotin at 2.5 milligrams a day, and was found to help. Um, and, uh, uh, well, there's a brand name for a company I have some association with called Apirex that's at 2.5 2 milligrams. What we don't know is, is a lesser dose helpful? Good question. Do people need more than this? Good question. You know, I've no, no, there's no data. There's only data for 2.5 milligrams. So your guess is as good as mine. What's this? Pardon me? Well, it turns out this might be a melanoma. 
Now, I mean, it's worth actually thinking about melanoma because we have a single nail with a stripe. We call that striate melanonychia. Um, striate means a stripe. Melano, guess what? And onychia, the, our old friend. And there was a study that was done, a case series of people with striate melanonychia, and one in 20 had a melanoma. Now, if you take people, strip them naked, and just randomly remove a mole, it does not have a one in 20 chance of being a melanoma. But in this person, uh, you know, striate melanonychia has a one in 20 chance. So they're not doomed and damned. But, you know, I give people the facts and say, you know, uh, uh, it might be worthwhile to do a biopsy. Uh, but there are consequences of doing biopsies. You will probably never have a normal nail plate again, and never's in a long time. So this ends up being a nail bed melanoma, but there are, you know, lots of things that are striate melanonychia that are not. So any of you do nail biopsy techniques? Yeah, I mean, you know I was trained to do these. It's not a big deal if, you know, someone trains you well. It's just something to do. Um, uh, anesthesia is critical. You want to use a lot. Um, uh, now, not infrequently, I use um, punches. Um, when I go through the nail plate itself, I personally use two different punches. I use one punch to go through the plate and then a smaller punch to go through the underlying tissues. That's what I do. Um, uh, uh, w when you come to the nail matrix, it's a bigger deal um, because I want to sew those together. Um, uh, so again, you know, you know how to do a punch biopsy. Um, uh, to get to the nail matrix, you got to take off the nail, and you know that's one of those fun things you do. It's, it makes people pretty darn squeamish, uh, but it's not technically difficult. And I used to do a lot of these, but I, I feel fortunate I've given these up, you know, and you can sew them back together. So, well. Um, this is just a, you know, a compilation of a lot of interesting nails. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of nail art that goes on out there. In general, very little bad happens at nail salons. One thing I'm not going to talk much about uh, uh, are nail salons. But um, uh, one of the major issues is um, contact dermatitis. Um, this is not a common thing, but when ha people have um, artificial nails, um, uh, what's the most common allergen that's responsible? Any idea? Can't hear anyone. Formaldehyde, not very common as a cause of trouble. Uh, it's usually acrylates. Um, you know, uh, acrylates are, you know, cyanoacrylates are found in crazy glue, in dermabond, but you know, um, artificial nails contain acrylates. Most people are not allergic to acrylates, but some lucky souls are. Yes, there can be formaldehyde in products. Uh, people can become allergic to lots and lots of things, but the acrylates are a big deal uh, in the nail world, and acrylate allergies are not limited to that. You know, if you think about um, even folks like our friends, the dentists, dentists get involved with lots of acrylates, so there, there are all kinds of allergens out there to think about. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, people accuse their nail salons of giving them all kinds of terrible infections. And yeah, that's occurred, but in general, it, you know, nails are pretty robust. So I'm going to end there and just um, ask if you have any questions at all. Questions, thoughts, comments? 
I love looking at nails. You know, a lot of times just plain curiosities, but you know, it doesn't take long. Thanks. So you know it all. No questions. You guys know everything about nails. Hi. Your dilution of vinegar for the pseudomonas, you said two drops in a basin of water. I'm sorry, I missed the first part of that. Uh, the dilution of vinegar. Oh, in, in vinegar, you know, if someone has one nail involved uh, with, say, pseudomonas, I just have them uh, soak in straight cider vinegar or white vinegar. If, they, if you want to soak an entire, you know, thing like a hand or a foot, I mean, this is not based on science. I have people dilute the vinegar about one part vinegar to two to three parts comfortable warm water. Um, could use straight vinegar, sure. It just is more expensive that way. But I don't have any data supporting anything. Um, it doesn't take a lot. And quite honestly, you can buy a great big jug of vinegar for about four or five dollars. So no matter how much or little vinegar you use, it won't cost any more money. Um, in the previous lecture, you mentioned how ineffective Penlac was. Yeah. Have you found anything topically effective for onychomycosis? Well, you know, so Penlac, if you look at the data that's in the PDR based upon the phase three clinical trials, um, uh, uh, not at the time of cessation, but uh, a few months after cessation of treatment, the failure rate is 97%. It's a little bit greater than that if you do the math. So what's effective? Well, in real countries like the European Union and other parts of the world, um, there's a drug called Losaril, which isn't bad. It has about a 30% cure rate, which is a lot better than you know, a 3% cure rate. Um, so not bad, but we don't have that in this country. Um, quite honestly, anecdotally, I've heard lots of stories about Vicks VapoRub. Uh, honestly, Vicks costs about three bucks for a little tin. It can't be worse than a 3% cure rate, uh, but there's absolutely no data for it. Um, uh, you know, and there's a, actually a dermatologist who at a meeting three weeks ago told me that she cured her uh, nail fungus with Vicks VapoRub. I mean, who knows what to make of that? There's been development uh, of um, nail lacquers and nail preparations, but thus far, um, no one has found great efficacy. Honestly, to me, it makes no sense that we should be using a systemic drug to treat something as localized as nail disease. But it has to do, it has to do with the penetration and getting to the site of the infection. So I'm confident someday we'll have approved drugs that actually get there. Um, but uh, nobody's ever found anything aside from Losaril really works. Um, and we, we don't have Losaril in the United States. We, we may someday. Um, but it's available in most of the rest of the world. Um, but, you know, there have been various form formulations of, uh, of terbenafin that have been uh, developed, but none have uh, achieved success in phase three clinical trials. So we need to w wait for that. But if you want something harmless to recommend, Vicks VapoRub. And there's a lot of folk belief, you know, around Vicks VapoRub, and that stuff stinks, so it has to do something. Yes? Um, I had a question about the... Um the nail pitting and the alopecia areata, because I've been treating someone with intermittent alopecia areata for a couple of years now, and all of a sudden he was like, I don't know why I'm having this nail pitting, and then I looked through his scalp, and I was also treating him for sebderm as well, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe you have 
you know, just to localize, or maybe the psoriasis or things like that. He said it actually gets better when he goes to Albania, I guess, during the summertime, so I understand the UV therapy, but if you can give me a little bit more correlation. I'm well, you know, um, it's probably, I mean, there probably is inflammation of the uh, 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 nail fold and or nail matrix, and that's what causes the pitting. Um, just as there's inflammation in alopecia areata, we don't see it as red and ugly and pussy and all that stuff, uh, but uh, there is inflammation. Histologically, there's inflammation. So in the setting of alopecia areata, we know there's inflammation uh, on or around the nail matrix. So why does it get better in sunshine? Well, you know, sunshine's anti-inflammatory. Our difficulty is, say you put a potent topical corticosteroid over the area, the main question is, does it get to the target organ? Does it get all the way down to the nail matrix? And I'm a little dubious about that. It's not clear that it does. And, you know, so um, back to our other thing, you know, I mean, there have been very nice studies done with Remicade that shows that it changes the psoriasis, you know, nail index, and, uh, and other systemic treatments do as well. But um, uh, you hate to put someone on Remicade just because of a nail thing. Well, thanks for your attention. I'm going to stick around a little bit longer. I have an interest in staying on time, and it's precisely the end of my time. So I thank you for your kind attention and coming out so early in the morning. Appreciate it.